Welcome to this week's presentation from Bethesda, a church community where anyone can belong. We hope that the following presentation encourages you in your faith journey. Thanks for listening. And today I want to shift a little bit and talk about the cost of following Jesus. Everybody say the cost. The cost. Now, when I said that a moment ago, some of you were like, what you talking about, Pastor? If you're familiar with the show Different Strokes a number of years ago, some of you may have it on DVD, I don't know, but there's a little guy in there, his name was Arnold Jackson. He used to always say, what you talking about, Willis, or what you talking about, you know? And when I said the cost, some of you were thinking in your mind, you were doing an Arnold Jackson, you were saying, what you talking about, Pastor? All right, you're allowed to laugh. I encourage it. What do you mean the co- there's a cost of following Jesus? There's a cost involved? Isn't, isn't salvation, you might say, isn't salvation free for whoever wants to, to receive it and whoever wants to be redeemed and saved? Certainly, uh, certainly it's free. We just sang about, uh, 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 in several songs there, about what it means to follow Christ and what Christ has done. You, you'll never see an infomercial for becoming a Christian um, uh, uh, and with, you know, with, if you, if you want to give your life to Jesus, it only requires three easy payments of thirty nine ninety five. And if you order now, if you become a Christian now, we'll throw in a free spatula with John three sixteen on it. I don't know why it's always a spatula, but it's just, it is, I guess it's just the way things are. But as we look into the gospels, we do see that there is indeed a cost of following Christ. And that is what I want us to discover together this morning. Let's, let's just take a moment and pray and ask God to, to minister in and through this word this morning. Father, we're so thankful that we've had this opportunity to come together uh, as, as a family, as a spiritual family, and to worship you and to fellowship and to, to hear from your word. And we just ask, Lord, that you would minister in this place today. Touch every heart. Minister through me uh, as I attempt to preach your word. Help me, Lord, and help us all to receive what you would have to say in Jesus' name. We all say, amen. We're going to be looking at Mark's gospel this morning and focusing in on chapter 8. The text will be on the screen for you there. It's also, you can follow along on new version. If you have the app, you can go on events, click Bethesda, and follow along there. There's, uh, there's some notes there you can follow along with and take. You can also follow along in your word if you brought the written word with you as well. So there's always to follow along here this morning. Maybe we can just change the position just for a few moments as I'm going to be about an hour, hour and 45 minutes, hour and a half, hour and 45. And uh, <clears throat> I want you to be, stretch your legs before we get into, it's not going to be that long. Stand with me. You're like, I ain't standing. <laughs> you preaching that long, I ain't standing. Let's stand together. <laughs> I'm not going to be that long. All right. Scripture says, Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Why do you, who do people say that I am? He told, they, they told him, saying, John the Baptist, and others saying, Elijah. But others, one of the prophets, and he continued by questioning them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. And he warned him to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them uh, that he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he was say, stating the matter, uh, matter plainly. <clears throat> and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around, seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, "Get behind me, Satan! For you're not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's." 
Verse 34 says, And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For, for what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You may be seated this morning. May God bless his word into our hearing. The cost of following Jesus. As we study the Gospels, we see that a lot has transpired since Jesus entered the ministry and until the occasion of the text we just read. We see in Mark chapter 1, uh, Jesus going along by the Sea of Galilee, and, and here he finds two brothers fishing, Simon and Andrew were their names, and he, he says, follow me and I will, I will make you fishers of men. I got a little job for you that's going to be different than what you're doing. It's similar but different. Instead of fishing for fish, you're going to fish for people. So come follow me. And they do. It says in verse 18, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And he journeyed a little farther along and saw two more brothers, James and John. And he said to them the very same thing. You know, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they responded in the same way. And following the call of the first disciples, he began to preach. Right away, he began to preach and teach in the synagogues, and the people who heard him were amazed by what he said. There was something different about Jesus. There was an authority in his teaching and in his preaching that they had never, ever encountered before in their lives. When he spoke, he spoke in such a, he spoke in such a way, not as to, you know, to tickle anyone's ears and, and to say what they wanted to hear, but he, he spoke in such a way to really touch people's hearts and souls. And when Jesus was speaking, people sensed the authority that his words possess. But, but that wasn't the only thing that amazed people, for Jesus demonstrated authority in, in powerful ways, such as healing the sick and, and, and casting out demonic spirits and walking on water and, and calming the stormy seas and healing incurable diseases and afflictions like leprosy. And, and the more he did these great miracles the more, and the more power he displayed, the more people were drawn to him. And added to his resume, he also fed masses of people miraculously a couple of occasions. Over 5,000 on one occasion and 4,000 on another. And so crowds of people began to follow Jesus. Now some followed him because of his messages. And some followed him because of his miracles. Some followed him because of what he said. And some followed him because of what he did. And in our text, as he entered the region of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus questioned his own disciples and asked them, who do people think that he is? I mean, Jesus is pretty popular at this point. He had a lot of fans. He, people were following him because it was easy to follow him. I mean, he did not ask much from anyone following him at this point. He was just doing miracles and signs and wonders and preaching and teaching. And it was really, you know, to be honest, it was really fun to follow Jesus. It was exciting to follow Jesus, and there was a lot of hype going on. And really, for the most part, the crowds were following him because of, because of what they were getting out of it. They were following him because of the benefits. They were following him because of what Jesus was doing for them and for all the blessings that, that he was giving. Let me just stop right there and say, yes, you know, there are 
benefits to following Jesus Christ. There, there are blessings to follow Jesus for sure. There are. Jesus is a, is a savior. Now that's a blessing and a benefit in and of itself. If that's all he did for us is die on the cross that we might be saved and have everlasting life, that's the greatest blessing and benefit there is, all right? But in addition to that, Jesus is also a healer. I can testify to that myself and, and, and I know there are others in this room who can say the same who have been on the receiving end of the, the healing touch of Jesus. And we know as we... We know, as we look into the word, we know there that Jesus is not only a savior and a healer, but he's also a provider. And there's times I can attest to that as well when I've had a need in my life and I went before the Lord in prayer and I said, God, this is something that I, that, that I need or this is something that you need, you know? And it was praying over a need in my life, need a provision and, and God came along and answered my prayer. I find that God often met my need and not my greed. And that's a different, that's a different story, a sermon, but it, that's just a freebie. God promises to meet our needs, not our greed, but he's a provider. And, and not only is Jesus a savior and a healer and a provider, but you know what? He's also a protector. And I can testify, I don't want to sound like a broken record here this morning, but I can testify to that as well. There's been times when I should have gone out into eternity on the highways, traveling, different things going on and should not be here this morning. But I'm here because he sent his angels to protect me. And like my experience, there are people in this very room this morning who can say, you know, God has blessed me. God has saved me. God has provided for my needs. God has, God has healed me of sickness. God has protected me for something that would have, would have took me out. There are benefits and blessings to following Jesus. Anyone say amen to that? Amen, you're with me. David in Psalm 103, one of my favorite Psalms talks about the benefits of serving the Lord. He says this, bless the Lord on my soul and forget none of his benefits who pardons all your iniquities and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. And so there are great benefits and great blessings, great things that the Lord does for his children. But you know, while there are great benefits and great blessings from following Christ, you have to know the the full truth. You know, you have to know that there is a cost to following Jesus as well. We'll get to that in a moment. Let me return to say that Jesus wanted to know that people, what what people were saying about him. And, And their answers as he asked his disciples, you know, what's people saying about me? Their answers are real interesting. Some say, well, you know, Jesus, uh, some say that you're, you're, you're John the Baptist. That's, you know, you come back from the dead. Others are saying, no, I, I heard, I heard that, that some were saying that you're Elijah. Elijah has returned, a great man of God from the Old Testament. Others are saying, you know what, no, it's not Elijah, it's not John the Baptist, it's, it's another one of the prophets, maybe Jeremiah, or, or, or another prophet has come back in bodily form, resurrected. They really had no idea who he was. All they knew that there was something about seeing Jesus live. When they heard him speak, when they watched him perform miracles, there's something, you you see it live, it will change your life. He was something special to see in person. And after asking him about what other people think, he sort of narrows the question in on, on the disciples and asks them, guys, who do you think I am? Who do you say that I am? 
Another way that Jesus could have put that is, why are you following me? Are you just following me for what you can get out of it? Are you following me because I walked on water or because, you know, I, I fed the 5,000 and 4,000? Are you following me because I healed sick? And Are you following me just because of the benefits and the blessings? Or are you following me because you got a little bit of insight into who I am? Now, Peter, God bless him. Peter often spoke without thinking. Anyone else suffer from that? Just, you know, you know, your, your, your filter's broken, <laughs> you know, and you need to go get a repair, you know. Peter was a really impulsive guy. Peter often spoke before he thought, and my wife's here, she knows, don't, don't say amen too loud. Speak before he thinks. I mentioned that in a message, I believe it was last fall, that he, he was just an impulsive type of person that, you know, he just, he just, I mean, he jumps out the boat and walks on water, you know, and does sorts of stuff. And sometimes he just says things impulsively. And this is one of those moments where his impulsivity connected with his faith. And he says, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. Now, by calling him the Christ, he was saying that you are the Messiah. That word Christ is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word for Messiah, and it means the anointed one. And so uh, the, the Jewish people were waiting for a Messiah, an anointed one, to come to deliver them and set them free. They were as you know, under Roman occupation and were envisioning a Messiah, a, a, you know, a, a, an anointed one uh, to come and show the Romans who's boss. They're sick and tired of the Romans. They're sick and tired of being under their, their rule. And they said, you know what? We're waiting for this anointed one to come. They were expecting someone to come and set them free from their enemy. They were, they were, they were waiting for someone to come and possess great power and authority. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus was who they were waiting for. And you know what? So Peter says, you are the Christ, and he nails it. Gets the answer right. Jesus is the, the anointed one. But he will deliver people in a way that Peter, or a lot of people, wasn't expecting, never imagined. And that would be quite evident for what happened next in the text, because Jesus says, yes, I am. Peter, congratulations, you, you win the prize. No, you, you got the answer right, but make sure you tell no one about it. Peter, you know, he seems like he's as, as impulsive as he is. He's, he's confused a lot as well. And this is one of the moments where he's confused. He don't understand. I mean, this is the best news ever. The Messiah has come. Why wouldn't Jesus want everybody to know about it? And, you know, I'll call in the news cameras. We'll, we'll, get a, we'll get a press conference on the go. We'll tell everybody who you are. That's what he got in his head, right? You know, the time will come for that, but with Jesus, we know that timing is everything. I mentioned they were in a re the region of Caesarea Philippi, and that's important because it's a place that was named after Augustus Caesar and Herod Philip, and it was dedicated to the glory of Rome. The citizens of that region would say, Caesar is Lord, to show their loyalty to as Roman citizens. And so to go around proclaiming Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the anointed one, or in a in really essence, that Jesus is Lord would possibly result in a political uprising and it would only do harm to the mission that Jesus came to fulfill. It was not the time to say that. There would come a time that that was appropriate, but this is not the time. And so Peter looks at, at uh, Jesus looks at Peter and says, shh, keep quiet. Don't tell no one about it. There's going to come a day for that, but not right now. The time has not yet come. 
And to confuse Peter even more, Jesus reveals something else Peter can't believe. He says, guess what, Peter? Not only am I the Christ, but I'm going to suffer and be rejected by the religious establishment. I'm going to go, I'm going to be, be killed. But Peter, I'm going to rise again. Here he reveals the cost for us to, for him to save us. The, the price that he would pay to be our Savior and Lord. And you know, as Peter hears this, he really can't believe what he's hearing because with that same impulsiveness, Peter rebukes Jesus and tells him, there's no way, Jesus, that I'm going to let this happen. That ain't going to happen. I mean, Peter has walked with Jesus and saw all kinds of amazing things that he did. He, he saw him walk on water. He healed all kinds of sickness. He even had power over evil spirits. And, and Jesus has demonstrated such power that Peter can't fathom how someone could kill him. And he, and especially the chief priests and the scribes, and why would they even want to? He had in his mind grand visions how all this was going to go down. You know, Jesus is going to take over, turn over the government. He's going to rule and reign. He's going to be a king. And he rebukes Jesus because in his mind a suffering Messiah was an oxymoron. The Messiah was supposed to have power and glory and authority, but what he fails to see is that it was God's will and plan that the path to glory for the Messiah would pass through suffering. As we look at the Gospels, we know that glory without suffering is the plan of Satan, is the plan of the enemy, is the plan of the devil. And when, 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 when the enemy came to Jesus and tempted him, and we can see detail in that in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, I won't turn that you can look at it another time, but when we see in those occasions, the devil came to, to, to offer Jesus a path of glory without suffering. You can have this glory. I'll offer all of this. You can have all the kingdoms. You can have all this. No cross needed. But it was the will of God for the Messiah, for the Messiah to be what Isaiah the prophet described as the suffering servant. And just as Jesus rebukes Satan in the wilderness, he now rebukes Peter, who's unknowingly had in mind the very same thing. Peter just saw the splendor that the Messiah was supposed to have and not the suffering that they were supposed to endure. And he didn't really understand the process by which that glory would come, that splendor would come. He didn't realize that the cross Jesus would bear would come before the crown Jesus would wear just didn't get it, didn't understand it. And so Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Strong words. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. He was looking at all the disciples when he rebuked Peter, and so no doubt he was saying something to them all. Because they're all got their own grand visions of what this is going to be. And he had to set the record straight. I can't go no further. And this was going to be a key teaching moment where they would make this, the decision to no longer be just fans, you know, but followers. You see, without a cost, it's very easy to follow Jesus. But this was a moment where Jesus would know if they, were, if they really wanted to follow him or if they were just like many others who were following Jesus for what they could get out of it. And Mark records that Jesus, you know, he calls the crowd together. He says, hey guys, come in. 
calls his disciples to come a little closer. Listen, I got something to tell you. He sets the record straight on what it truly means to follow him. And he reveals the cost. Here it is. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He revealed first the cost to be a savior, but now he reveals the cost to be a disciple, the cost to serve him. Now, it's one thing to say, if you want to follow me, deny yourself and follow me. Yes, a little bit somewhat easier in a sense. It's not so heavy as the second part. This is, follow me, deny to yourself as an act of surrender, but Jesus also calls for an act of sacrifice. Take your, your cross, follow me. That's a whole other level. Let me deal with the act of surrender first, just for a few moments. When Jesus said deny yourself, he was not, you know, speaking of self-denial, of, 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 of becoming like monks who practice asceticism and, and sort of, uh, de, you know, deny themselves of certain indulgences for religious reasons. He, that's not what he's talking about. Jesus, what Jesus was saying is that if you want to truly follow me, then you can no longer live for you. He was saying, if you truly want to follow me, you have to decide that when moments arise in life, when what you want for you conflicts with what I want for you, you will need to choose what I want for you. In church, that is what the dying yourself is about. It's about surrendering ourselves to Christ that we follow what he wants for our lives and not what we want for our lives. How many know there's often moments of competition between us, his will and our will, where we want something for our lives that is different from what he wants. There's moments of tension, moments where he wants something for us and we're like, oh, that conflicts with my will. Because how many know we got a will too? Jesus demonstrated surrendering himself, denying himself when he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane about to face the cross. And he says this words, these words, powerful. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. He says, you know, if there's any other way but the cross, this is the time to let me know. But then he goes on to say, yet not I will, but what you will. Denying yourself is living in such a way that the will of God takes center stage in your life no matter what lay before us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, once said this, to deny yourself is to be aware only of Christ and no more of self. To see him who goes before me, goes before and know, uh, more the, know, and know more the road, which is too hard for us. Once more, all that a self-denial can say is he leads the way. Keep close to him. We're not following Jesus. We're not, uh, he's not following us. I think sometimes we live life to think that he's following us. He's long for the ride. Oh, we're, we're living life. Oh, we got Jesus too. He's following us. No, that's not the way it works. We follow him. We follow him. Complete surrender. And to take things a step further, not only do you deny yourself, but Jesus says, if you really want to follow me, you can't be in it just for the benefits or the blessings. Oh, there's benefits and blessings but you need to take up your cross and follow me. Now, being under Roman occupation, the crowd was quite aware of what that meant. The, the Romans perfected crucifixion to deal with criminals or people that revolted and caused riots. They, it was a, a horrible way to die. It was a death sentence. 
Jesus knew that the path to glory for him would involve a cross. And that is how he would become our savior, but he would defeat death, we know, by his resurrection, and by doing so would provide the way for us to have everlasting life, enabling us to overcome death just as he did, live forever. Jesus paints a picture of what following Christ in this text, what it involves. He says, if you are going to follow me, then you got to prepare to reach down, take up your cross, and follow me. Be prepared to die. Be prepared to lose your life for me. And for the disciples in that time, Jesus wasn't joking around. He wasn't kidding. He was serious. Every single one of them lost their lives for the sake of following Jesus. Some were crucified, some were beheaded, some were, you know, different ways that they died. I can't remember all of them right now, man. But they all paid a price to follow Jesus. Now, you may never lose your physical life. You may never have to, you know, become a martyr for following Jesus. But the same principle applies to them, applies to us today, that following Jesus costs us something. It may cost you relationships. It may cost you opportunities. It may cost you financial gain, money. It may even cost you your life. I don't know. I don't know what specific price you will pay, but sooner or later, we all come face to face with the cost of following Jesus. We can be along so along for the ride and, and sort of like cheer him on and say, hey, this is awesome. Wear a foam finger with Jesus on it, you know, be a fan. But sooner or later, we can't. I all have to come face to face with the cost of following Christ. There are defining moments in our lives when the cost of following Jesus becomes apparent where in those moments you will have to say no to, no to you because you have said yes to him if you want to follow him. In those moments you will have to say no to your own will and yes to the will of God for your life. Every single follower of Jesus has to count the cost because following Jesus costs us something. As I bring this message to a close and as the band returns, the question is, are you willing to pay the price to follow Jesus? Well, let me ask you this. What is preventing you from following Jesus? What are you holding on to that Jesus is asking you? Saying, let go. Let go of that, that I may have all of you. No doubt, you know, when Jesus says these words, draw him in, maybe they thought he was going to do a miracle. Maybe they thought he was going to, you know, touch some blinded eyes or, or heal a person that couldn't hear, or, you know. And they gather around, he starts relaying and say, no doubt there's some people that were really disappointed who are along for the ride, for the benefits. They'd followed him with such excitement and joy because of the miracles and because of the messages, but when they received this message, they ain't so excited. When he really lays out what following him involves, they're not really, some there are not willing to pay the price. You can almost see some people just like, Hey, I had fun. It's been good, Jesus. Take care. And walk away. Some are thinking of the cross and, and what that involved. And, and that's a scary thought, and for sure it is. They get scared because they want to save their lives. That's a, that's a natural human reaction. We're designed to do what we got to do to survive. And, and knowing what they're thinking, Jesus goes, goes on to say, you know what? You want to try to save your life? You can run from the cross. You want to try to save your life on your own? Guess what? You're going to lose it. 
Well, you may have riches and you may have fortune. You may have houses and lands. You may have all kinds of friends. But if, at the end of the day, you will lose your life if you, just, if you follow you and not follow me. In other words, you can't hold on to your life and live life any way you want to. Because if you live for you and not follow me, there's coming a day when you will lose the life that you have. And to add to that, he, he says, he, you, could, you, you could live for you so much that you gained a whole world. But what's the point of that, he says, if, if you're going to, at the end of the day, lose the very, the most important thing, the most precious thing that I've given you, and that is your soul. And so, for, for those who are falling only for what they were going to get out of it, and now are, and now are going to walk away, he says, you know, guys, I've got to tell you, this is some consequences here of your choice, that you're going to lose everything. It may not look like losing, it may look like winning, but there's going to come a time when it's going to be very evident that you're going to lose out. Because you lose out on eternity with Christ, you're losing. And the same goes for people I'm willing to follow Jesus today who's just, you know, maybe some are along for the ride or maybe just say, you know what, I, I, I don't know if it's worth, it seems too great. I'm willing to pay the price. You can, you can gain the whole world in the process without Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, you'll lose your soul. You'll lose it on eternity with Christ. But to those who are all in, like the disciples, who weren't just following Jesus for what they could get out of it, for the blessings or the benefits, Jesus went on to promise them, he says, guys, whoever loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, guess what? You're going to save it. Death may come in a natural sense, but whoever loses their lives for Jesus Christ, for me, Jesus, I'll give you everlasting life so that you'll gain much more than you could ever lose in this life. Let me end with this quote from Andy Stanley. He sums up this text and he says this, salvation is free. It costs us nothing. It's free. You'll never have to pay price, $20, $100, thousand. You'll never have to pay money to follow Jesus. But following Christ will cost us something. And this is the important part, refusing to follow Jesus. He says, what costs you everything will cost you a whole lot more. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in learning more about our church community, please visit our website, Bethesda.ca, and consider joining us for a gathering soon.